We're Bethany and Alicia, your hosts of the Chile Today podcast. We're two broads living abroad, broadcasting from Santiago, Chile. The Chile Today podcast is the first ever bi-monthly English-speaking Chilean news podcast. Uh-oh, hold on. I just had more <laughs> almond milk. Oh, God, I'm the worst. I'm so sorry. We're keeping that. Okay, okay. Three, two, one, we're go. Start- we're really starting this time. Uh, right hi, Alicia. Hi, Alicia's almond milk. Hi, Bethany. And Bethany's Swedish fish. Uh, Swedish fish are delicious. I love them. I was just watching you eat them from afar. Incidentally, not Swedish. Where are they from? Apparently. Okay, well, so the box says they're from Canada. Um, but my lovely boyfriend, who is stubborn, was like, I'm going to Google it. And Google says they're from uh, the U.S. So either way, they're not from Sweden. And um, my heart broke a little. Very misleading. Also, I feel like, yeah, I, I've lost some. They're not as attractive to me now. Right. Why would you ever eat Swedish fish now that you know they're not from Sweden? They're just potentially Canadian fish, not interested. Right? And nobody likes that, you know, nobody likes that North American fish. <laughs> Gotta have There's that fish from Sweden. Or the fish from Chile that's been shoved full of antibiotics, right? right. Aw, Chilean fish. Chileans don't even eat Chilean fish. Fun fact, it's mostly the Japanese that eat the Chilean fish and the Chinese, I think. Full of fish facts today. I am full of fish. Just full of it. <laughs> How have you been in your quarantine or in your isolation? Because you're you're not technically quarantined now, right? No, I, I'm not quarantined. I can walk around, but I haven't been that much. I feel like I'm still kicking it inside a lot. And I feel like I've adjusted to being inside and not being around humans. And I think I'm happier this way. Uh, right? Like, what is even the world? What do you even do in the real world anymore? Like, I I'm could go outside, fine. but what would I do? Right. And I guess getting vitamin D is good for the skin and maybe the soul. So, I don't know. I take my dog for walks. But I haven't been out, out. And I, there's not really many places to go yet, Bethany. But I heard that the government's going to start reopening some parts of the economy. Yeah. So, that, my friends, is our first news story. It's a great transition. I wish I had transitions like you, Alicia. You have the wonderful uh, yeah. transitions. <laughs> uh, so yeah, public workers are definitely returning to jobs, and they're going to start giving these immunity passports, which I think is really weird because recently um, scientists have been saying that just because you've had the coronavirus before doesn't mean you can't get it again. So this whole idea of immunity passports doesn't make sense to me. Sounds cool. Yeah. Sounds cool. But will it work? (laughs) Who can say? Well, I mean, the reason why I think they're doing that is because apparently viruses like the flu, they they do give the people who get them a, a type of immunity. Like you have the virus inside of you and it stays inside of you for a long time. And so you do have a type of immunity. But what they're finding out with the coronavirus is that even though when you get the virus, it does stay inside of you, the amount of time that it stays inside of you is very, very short, or that's what they think anyway. So people have been getting sick again. Right, I saw an increase in the numbers recently. Yeah. So this whole idea of an immunity passport, I, I just don't think it's, it's going to work. Well, and schools are set to open in May now, too. Yeah, that's great. I don't know. 
I mean, it started in schools, right? Ah, it did in Las Condes, correct? Is, is in where in yeah, and at St. George's, I think. And that, I mean, that's where it started to break out was in the schools. So it's like, okay, let's open everything back up to workers and to schools. I feel like they're, I, 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 I'm, I'm skeptical is what I'm trying to say of this <laughs> strategy that they're, that they're doing at this moment. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what's going on. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the the quarantine's been lifted in Las Condes and in some areas, and I, I think they're just going to update that in uh, weekly. And if you want more updates about the quarantines, about things that are open, then you can check that out on uh, chiletoday.cl, which is the news website we are associated with. They give you live updates on quarantines and what's changing with the laws, and if they will actually move forward with these immunity passports. Uh, you can find that out there, chiletoday.cl. You can also check it out on Instagram at Chile Today. Yeah, and Twitter. All of the all the social medias, Facebook. Um, I don't think there's a Snapchat yet, but that would be real cool. Um, okay, so there's also the news that Representative Camila Vallejo of the Communist Party is presenting a bill to Congress that's going to uh, basically nationalize the AFP system, the, the Chilean pension system. So this is a huge thing because, uh, I don't know if you know this, Alicia, but the AFP system, AFP system has been very, very controversial for a very long time. No, I had no idea. And what, what's the controversy surrounding it? Well, um, there's some really, really good articles that will go into a lot of detail on this on uh, chiletoday.cl. I wrote one of them. But <laughs> uh, basically, the pension systems are owned mostly by different countries. There are a couple of them that are owned by Chile, but the majority of them are owned by the U.S., actually. And they're basically for-profit companies, and the only contributors to these systems are individuals. So in the U.S., for example, you is a most of the time two to three contributor system, meaning that I'm really trying to make this more interesting. I'm sorry. Meaning that basically you contribute to this pot of money you'll get when you retire, and your employer also contributes, and maybe the government, depending on your job. In sure. Chile, only you as an individual contributes. Nobody else contributes, which makes it very difficult because if you're contributing 10% of your funds and you make, and even if you make a really good salary, it's not a lot when you retire. Add to the fact that people who are really poor basically will get nothing once they retire. Add to the fact that people who are independent workers basically get nothing when they retire. So there's a lot of controversy around it. And also a lot of money goes to the U.S. and other countries. I think Italy also owns one. Colombia owns one AFP as well. And so the idea is that she wants to nationalize these models so that the money within the models can be more useful to Chile um, and that Chile won't be as impacted by the global recession as it's being impacted right now. So that's the idea that she's going to bring forward to Congress. She's kind of a badass. She is a t she's first of all, she's a total badass and she's goals. She is hot. Have you seen her? Like yeah, not that, she, that matters, but oh my gosh, I like look at her and I'm like, gah, she's like the Chilean AOC. She's 31 years old and she's accomplished so much and she's helped so many people. And I don't know, I, I look up to a lot of things that she's done as well 
And I think she's a phenomenal role model for, you know, like younger girls who want female role models to look up to, you know? Absolutely. And she's also um, been very outspoken about the struggles that she's had in the past with, um, for example, she's been very outspoken about how she was abused as a child and as a woman, and she has led student movements when she was younger to try to improve the educational system. She's really cool. She's a really cool person. Um, I, I don't know. I got a girl crush on her, definitely. I do, too. If you're listening to this, hit us up. Camila, we want to talk to you. <laughs> oh, my God, Camila. If she, if she actually, like, tried to hit us up and was like, hey, I'd like to be on your podcast, and I talk, I would be, you'd have to do the interview because I would be just, like, so starstruck. I get girl crushes on, on, uh, on politicians. Like, her and AOC are, like, goals. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Latina goals. Okay, okay. I'm going to calm down now. I'm going to calm down. Have you been, have you witnessed the, oh, my dog just ate my face mask. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, well, speaking of medical issues and healthcare, um, there's been discrimination of health workers in Chile, which I'm really bummed out about because I feel like these folks are on the front line, um, the nurses and the doctors. So what's happening, um, these medical professionals are returning home at the end of the day and many of their apartment administrators are telling them that they're not allowed in common areas they're not allowed to use the stairs when the nurses do go do home visits uh, people have thrown bleach at them uh, they've been sprayed with disinfectant um just uh, the national federation of nurses in chile they condemn these attacks uh they're quoted as saying we have Every, we've taken every precaution necessary, not only to protect the public, but to also protect our families. I mean, these guys are at the front lines. They are very, very concerned with keeping everybody safe. Uh, it's just the literal heroes of the world right now. And people are more concerned with, I, I don't know, they're, ah, it just makes me so mad, especially since I just imagine that these healthcare workers who are working really hard, putting themselves in danger, and then having to be attacked because of them literally sacrificing themselves for other people meanwhile these asshole people that are attacking them are probably the same people that are like I, you know what i really should go to the supermarket again this week because i need some comino like come on human that's human there's been so many examples of folks going out in public that have coronavirus and I don't know. Yeah, I just, I think we can all do better. The Ministry of Health um, has asked that health workers report any discrimination to their hospitals. So hopefully we'll see um, better actions in the future. Yeah. I also, well, this is not exclusive to Chile either. I heard this was happening as well in the United States. I also heard some of this happening there too. So I, it, it's, which is crazy because, you know, the U.S. is having protests about not wanting to be quarantined, not wanting to stay inside, and yet they're terrified of medical workers. It's just, it's, I, I, uh, it's so frustrating to me because I feel like everybody's looking for someone or something to blame because it's too heavy to, like, realize that this is a virus. You can't see it. You can't control it. You just have to do the best you can. And even the best you can sometimes isn't enough. And you just have to accept that. Right. And not be a dick. And don't be a dick. <laughs> and don't be it's a that dick. that simple. And if you're going to clap at 9 p.m. every night, don't throw bleach on a freaking medical worker. Come on, man. Come on. Do I better. saw, 
you wrote an article this past week, I believe, about um, five myths actually associated with COVID-19. I love that article. I think you did a great job. Thank you. You guys can find that on chiletoday.cl. I actually originally wrote it because I'm quite long-winded. I don't know if you've noticed this, Alicia. Um, that I was originally wrote 10 minutes and the editor was like, and five's good, thanks. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, I wrote five myths about some misconceptions about the coronavirus. One of them was, in fact, that once you have it for the first time, then you're immune. That was one of them. So, it's fun. You can read all about it. Some of the ones that were not included was the fact that, um, I don't know if you heard this, but Manjelich, the health minister, recently said that you can't catch it from dead people. So dead people were actually like recovered. Oh, I saw that. That was hard to read. (laughs) Yeah, because they weren't showing symptoms anymore. Yeah. I mean, I was reading about that in in U.S. news. You know, (laughs) got clowned a little bit. We might have talked about that before, but... um, that's actually also a myth that you probably can catch it from dead people. Um, once again, because there's so much that's so unknown about this virus. We don't, it's not acting the way that of any virus that we have yet. So while the flu is not contagious with dead people or people who've had it before, coronavirus is as far as they can tell. And so uh, you can't just assume of anything with this virus. Another one that was uh, not included was the fact that there's a lot of uh, products that people think can get rid of the virus that can't actually get rid of the virus. For example, uh, a lot of people clean with vinegar that does not actually kill the virus while it will kill other viruses. And um, a lot of people have been trying to make homemade um, antibiotic gel. Uh, that usually doesn't work either because the antibiotic gel has to be a certain concentration and the concentration is very hard to get when you try to make it at home. So I'm interested to see how society changes. I have to say I'm pretty jazzed. I don't have to kiss anyone right now. Stoked on that. Um, But I think even with the way that we travel and the way that we experience movies restaurants I'm, I'm interested to see where we're at in six months and what society is gonna look like it's i agree i try not to think too much about the future because i'm i get day by day i'm like i'm all like oh i'm okay i'm gonna go play monopoly again on the internet um but when i think about the future it scares me because as an immigrant as somebody who i mean i'm sure you definitely identify with this as well and our listeners the idea of not being able to see my family back home as often or, you know, to be restricted, like, okay, well, let's say everything gets fine in North America, but South America is still horrible or vice versa. You know, what if I can't see my family for a long time, you know, or I do comedy shows. Are those going to be possible? Are we not going to be able to have live comedy shows for the next two years? What's what's going to happen? I mean, I'll watch whole... you on Instagram live. I'm dedicated. Aww. I'll be Aww, there. I love that. Thank you. I don't know. I feel like I'm not funny without an audience. I don't know. Oh, you have an audience of one. 
There you go. I'll need you to give me like very peppy feedback, like go Bethany. Laugh at everything. everything. You better. Even the parts I'm not supposed to laugh at. <laughs> Those are my favorite laughs. Especially if there's a really depressing joke. Laugh at that. Then that's always really funny. Perfect. Done. Anything else we wanted to talk about today? No, no, no. Nothing. Except uh, we're going to move into our cultural section. Today, we're going to throw some history at your faces. I love this. I love that you, you had this idea because you <laughs> messaged me after we recorded the Colton murder episode, <laughs> and you were like, maybe something a little lighter? All right, we've got a couple of really fantastic Chilean historical figures to share with you guys. The first one is Diego Portales. And a fun fact, um, Diego, the name Diego originated from the name Santiago, which was shortened, people would say Santiago, Diago, and then eventually became Diego. Isn't that kind of cool? That's so fascinating. I love that. And Diego Rivera actually wrote the article on chilitoday.cl that I based a lot of my information off of today. So thank you, Diego. So Diego Portales is like one of the founding followers, follow, fathers, fathers, founding followers, founding fathers of the right, the contemporary right-wing movement, right? That's correct. Although he was never president, he was a tactful politician, and he would pull his strings from his position as Minister of the Interior. Interior, And he became a mainstay in the government from 1830 until his death in 1837. Nice. He, yeah, he actually even strongly influenced the 1933 Constitution that, would, that helped ensure that conservatives would remain in power. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was born into a middle-class family, and he began his life as a scholar. He studied Latin, philosophy, case law, theory, and fine arts. An artist. An artist. He later became an assayer for the government before quitting and dedicating himself to commerce. Just three years later, in 1824, he had a monopoly on, the, on tobacco and was expanding to Peru, which I thought was kind of interesting. It was then he began harboring an interest in, in politics. Wait, wait, wait. So we have a businessman who's going into politics. Indeed. Man, mind blown. Mind I, it's blown. revolutionary, truly. <laughs> <laughs> We've never seen another instance of this. <laughs> this has never happened before. And the times were politically unstable, um, which prevented smooth commerce. And so, you know, uh, he would have an interest in getting into politics to maybe just, you know, uh, facilitate things a little bit. That commerce. Just move that tobacco commerce right the F over. The conservative general, um, Joaquin Prieto, approached Portales during the 1829 Chilean Civil War. And Portales jumped at the chance and soon became his second in command. So this is kind of where he starts to get more of the pull in, in government. Um, the they achieved the pull. The Portis gets the pull. The Portis pull. Hashtag Portis the pull. pull. <laughs> they achieved the name Portal. It's from Portis pull. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, was, it was Portales. Now it's, it was Portis pull. Now it's Portales. And okay, I'll, I'll Santiago <laughs> Portis pull. <laughs> the name of my next fish. My next dog. Um, they achieved victory in 1830. And Portales began establishing a new governmental structure based on strong executive power. 
led by the conservative oligarchy, and he used this to bring the bring order to the country in his perspective. Hmm. He focused on reorganizing the army and making sure that it was loyal to the civilian government by purging its ranks of those who were in disagreement with him, as well as getting rid of any opposition that was left after the Civil War by exiling them out of the country, maybe to Peru, who could say? <laughs> and <laughs> sounds a real, real good way to gain democratic votes. Just murder and banish everyone who doesn't agree with you. Again, we didn't see that come up in, again ever, this right? This has never happened, especially not in Chilean history. Um, he also before. overhauled the education and justice systems, and he helped expand the Catholic Church to Chiloé. Oh, okay. And for all you September 18th fans out there, um, he's responsible for declaring September 18th as a national holiday. And <clears throat> declaring, <throat> yeah, so I guess that's one, that's, that's something. No tobacco farming on the 18th of September. You're welcome. Absolutely not. Um, and he also declared war against the Peru-Bolivia Alliance in 1836. Ah. And, yeah, this is when his, um, sorry. <laughs> Not good. my day. Okay. His many reforms and restructuring of the military earned Portales some of um, the resentment that he faced. He was arrested um, and then imprisoned for three days until July 6th, 1837, when he was executed. Was he arrested? Why was he arrested? He, I think it was because he was gaining too much power and people were beginning to fear him, from what I understand. And he was executed for that? Yeah, well, he was imprisoned first and then executed. Hmm, interesting strategy. Yeah, but it's interesting because even though he only held power for a relatively short time, he had some major impacts. For instance, we still celebrate yeah, September 18th to this day. We still have a military. Yeah, and his personal philosophy became the base of the conservative government that ruled from 1830 until 1861, and he's heavily influenced current right-wing parties. So he's like their, their homeboy, their like uh, mascot. I mean, one of them, right? So the leftist has Matapacos and the right wing has Diego Portales. I just wonder why, I, I don't know. Diego God. Portales in what, what colors in a red bandana? I don't know. I feel like the rechazo campaign could have done a better, uh, better idea than picking the color red because now I'm quite confused. Are you communist? No, you're conservative, but you're red. Okay. Yeah, their, their new mascot is Santiago Portals Pool. It's Diego Portales on a stripper pole. Oh my god, I love it. I actually love it. Um, I hope oh my someone god. draws that. If, someone please draw that. Is, if there is a person who is an art person and you can do fan art, please, for the love of God, email us, Instagram us. We are chiletodaypodcast at gmail.com. Make Diego Portales on a stripper pole. I swear to God. It will be, I will love you forever. Uh, yeah, so that's Diego Portales. Awesome. Good Indeed. job. Good job, Alicia. Hey, thanks, Bethany. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't really know all of that about, about, uh, about Santiago portals. Uh, I'm going to tell you about the lovely man who appears on the 10,000 peso bill. That's the orange one. Oh, fine. Nope, that's the blue one. The blue one. 
Colors mean nothing anymore after quarantine. I hope you're more responsible with your Monopoly money. Oh my gosh, I'm so good at Monopoly. Um, okay, so this is Arturo Pratt, and you've probably heard about his name because he's on the tin. Everybody wants them tin bills. Get that blue everywhere. When you're on the Porter's um, Pool. When you're on the Porter's Pool. His Arturo is Arthur. Pratt is Pratt. Um, so anyway, Arturo Pratt he is a war hero. Uh, he is, was famous for fighting in the Pacific War, or actually it's in, not to be confused with the Pacific War that was in Asia, because I got real confused when I Googled the Pacific War in English, because apparently there's a Pacific War and the War of the Pacific, and they're not the same thing. So Too confusing. Yes. Technically, this one is the War of the Pacific. And anyway... <laughs> Uh, Pratt was born on April 4th, 1848, and he was educated in Santiago, not by Diego Portales, but in Santiago. Um, he went to naval school, where he graduated naval school in 1864. He was noted for his responsibility and discipline at the time. He also was a lawyer, and he graduated from the University of Chile, which was still a thing then. All right. Yeah. So he's a lawyer and a naval man, a seaman, if you will. Um, he actually captured his first ship, the Cavadonga, in 1865 when he was just 17 years old. Wow. Well, most and guys were catching girls. He was catching full with, ships. And most guys were, were, what do they call it, courting some ladies, you know, the old ways. Uh, he, was, he was catching some... Seaman. Okay. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> uh, so the the Cavadonga, which he captured, would be important in the future during the War of the Pacific. Okay. So, uh, ding dong doop. Yeah, the War of the Pacific, Guerra del Pacifico, uh, is also known as the Saltpeter War, Guerra del Saltirte. Saltirte. Well, okay, anyway, so saltpeter, uh, which is also known as nitre, uh, was a very, very important compound, chemical, at the time because it was used to make gunpowder, and it was very, very prevalent in the North, Bolivian, Peruvian, Chilean, territory-ish uh, situation. And, of course, Chile wanted it because it was very, very valuable at the time. Uh, and Bolivia wanted to tax the mining companies that were taking this out of the land. But Chile didn't like that because the Bolivians had promised them not to tax the Chileans for 25 years, but the Chileans were sort of taking advantage of the Bolivians. So um, the Bolivians got mad and the Peruvians sided with the Bolivians and a war broke out, basically. And that was the War of the Pacific. And so, uh, after the war was declared, the Chilean squad initiated a blockade of the Peruvian port. The word squad there is probably a direct translation. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure that is not the actual war term. <laughs> the Chilean squad. <laughs> uh, I'm sure it's like the Chilean brigade, brigade or something. And so they wanted control over the area. 
Um, but the there were Peruvian ships. The interesting thing is that this Chilean blockade was a grievance against the Peruvian population, which is why the Peruvians sided with the Bolivians. I hope that makes sense. Okay, so interestingly, I learned that Pratt was actually not considered a very good naval officer. He was actually considered one of the shitty ones, which is why he went into one of the most important battles with the Esmeralda that he went into, because he was supposed to be like bait. And, um, and it worked. So him and the Esmeralda were like bait so that the other channels could be opened up for the warships for the actual naval fleet in Chile. And because of this, um, a huge battle ensued, which is the important battle everybody talks about, about Arturo Plat, where he was on the ship called the Esmeralda, and the Peruvians were just like going to town on the ship. And eventually, Arturo Pratt was like, I will go down with my ship. And he, like, jumped on the other ship and then got shot. And he went down with the ship. And um, the other Chilean fleet was able to do what they needed to do, which eventually they said was, like, the catalyst for eventually Chile winning the War of the Pacific. Because Arturo Pratt was really, really good bait. Is this where Dido got her inspiration for that song that she's famous for. Like, I won't go down with this ship. I, you know, like hands up surrender. No, I think that going down with the ship is just a general captain thing that you're supposed to do. According to the interwebs. Um, the, okay. So according to the internet, uh, the fact that Arturo Pratt went down with his ship wasn't actually the heroic thing because you're oh. supposed to, as somebody commanding a ship, like, if you don't, like, you're a bad captain. It's, like, an honor thing. So the thing that made Arturo Pratt really special was the fact that because of that battle, the Chilean, other Chilean ships, the good ones, were able to go on to the other front and win the war. And also, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk about how during the dictatorship, um, Fascists in general, like, have a very nationalistic um, push. It's like a part of fascism, you know, probably it, no, is being really, really, really proud of your country and where your country came from and what your country does and the superiority of your country. And so sort of pushing Arturo Pratt as this amazing figurehead who sacrificed himself against the Peruvians was a way for Pinochet to kind of gain that pride in the Chilean hearts, I suppose you could say. And so Pratt in and of himself probably wasn't a big deal while he was alive. Definitely not a big deal when he was alive. But because of what he stood for and the necessity for nationalization, he became important. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So, um... Basically, that's Arturo Pratt. He was a really mediocre naval officer who had this battle on the Esmeralda against the Peruvians, and he died and went down with the ship, and then uh, now he's on the 10. Thanks, Arturo. Thanks, Even Arturo. that money. That was Arturo. fascinating. Thank and you, because Bethany. of any time, Alicia. Well, and because of the War of the Pacific, uh, the biggest gain was that Chile gained all of that land in the north, 
that was that precious mining land from, and they gained that land from Peru and from Bolivia, basically cutting Bolivia off from the sea completely. <laughs> and um, so that's why places like Antofagasta and Arica, which actually used to be Peru, are a lot of people there, like very much like they have a lot of cultural similarities to people from Peru. That is absolutely Bolivia. fascinating. Yeah. And it makes yeah. so much sense. All the sense made. Interesting, because, I yeah, I've always wondered why Chile's just so long. It's long because they killed a lot of people in a war called the War of the Pacific. I mean, there were deaths on both sides. But, you know, <laughs> mining's always been big. I always say if Chile was a race from Lord of the Rings, they would definitely be dwarves because they like mining. No? No <laughs> I just had to let it sink in for a minute. <laughs> yeah. <all. laughs> okay. Yeah. So um, our producer waved me down. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this. Those lions that are in Providencia, I think they're the ones that are near the Costanera Center, like on the line between the Costanera Center and Las Condes. Like if, you, if you've ever been to the Costanera Center, they're right there. Big lions beside a church. Those are actually stolen from Peru, from Lima, during the War of the Pacific, and now they're here in Chile, right next to a mall. Do you think they want them back? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, they might not care. I bet. I mean, I don't know. Would you want them back? Probably. I would like my lions back. I don't know, man. I might be. It's just time. Like, I would rather have my land back. Like you can keep also the that. lions if I can have the the minerals. And the fun the funny thing is that that mineral that was so important back then is no longer like valuable at all. But now now Chile has the lithium, so that probably would help if if Peru and Bolivia had a bit of that lithium. That would be nice. Why don't we share it? Let's just all share. I would love to discuss mining on a future episode. I feel like there's so much to unpack about mining in this country. I've got a very, very uh, handsome fella that I know that works in mining. His name is a guest Mauricio. speaker. We can have a guest speaker. Yeah, his name's Mauricio. He lives with me. <laughs> but I don't know anything <laughs> about mining. I know absolutely nothing about mining. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd be interested in talking about the history of mining in Chile. I think it's super important. But yeah, I hope you liked our culture section and you learned a bit uh, about Diego Portals and uh, Arthur Pratt. Yeah, thank you again for the suggestion. I, lo I love that, Bethany. Yeah, uh, I thought that we were going to do another heavy episode this week. And I was like, yeah, maybe we should like, do something a little bit lighter to talk about Swedish fish. Something like that. A little less like, yeah, Swedish fish is good. We're good with that. Mm, yes. So, um, we would love for you to subscribe to our channel on whichever directory that you can, if you're listening to us online from the link, if you subscribe to our channel on any podcast directory, that helps us out a lot. And you can rate us on different uh, channels like Spotify. If you give us a good rating, we'll love you forever. You can also send any suggestions, any questions. If you have questions about immigration, if there's something that you want to hear, if you just want to say, hey, how can I get involved? Uh, maybe you'd want to be interviewed about a really crazy metro story that you have. Send us an email at chile today podcast at gmail.com. 
and we would love you forever. And hopefully we'll be able to bring you information on events coming soon. Um, but until then, we hope that you are staying safe and happy inside. And you can challenge Bethany to a game of Monopoly if you'd like. Gosh, if you play online Monopoly on the PS4, you send us an email and I will be on. I will be all over that. I'm so good at Monopoly. So good at it. Okay, everybody, stay safe and don't eat too many Swedish fish. Or bleach. Bye.